Here we go. This is the Skip Bayless Show, episode 97. Though, I feel like I should just call this episode 48 in honor of how many points the Green Bay Packers scored Sunday in a playoff game at Jerry World. Did did that really happen? This, as always, is the unundisputed, everything I cannot share with you during the two-and-a-half-hour debate show that is undisputed. So today's show, from start to finish, is going to be one long cowboy funeral. As I answer many of your scathing questions about why and how that happened. It it did happen, didn't it? Help me out. I, I think it did. I'm pretty sure it did. I keep waking up every morning out here in Los Angeles at 2 a.m. to get ready for Undisputed. And my first flash of thought the last three mornings has been, man, huh, that was the worst nightmare I've ever had. That, that was worse than Psycho, the scariest movie I ever saw. Then the reality hits me like 10 tons of Texas manure, suffocating manure. So today's episode is R.I.P. Dallas Cowboys. Rest in pieces, pieces. Lord, have mercy on all of our souls, Cowboy Nation. So I begin, as always, with not to be skipped. And I start with one of your questions. This one from Craig from Queens. And there you have it. Your funeral commercial was foreshadowing the death of your cowboys. Greg, you got me right in the heart. So as you may know, probably know, just before Thanksgiving, we did shoot a commercial for Undisputed out here in Los Angeles at a cemetery in Altadena. And I should have known. Concept of that commercial was I was supposed to eulogize the dearly departed Uncle Philip. And as I got up to the podium in front of the mourners gathered outdoors at the gravesite, I just couldn't help myself. I started bearing my soul about how my cowboys had all but put me in an early grave. I just should have known. Life was about to imitate art. I was about to speak an all-time playoff nightmare right into existence. I was about to conjure up my own doom to all but predict it. Definitely Craig to foreshadow it. The ultimate doom and now gloom. It wasn't the Jimmy curse that we needed to break by putting Jimmy finally, after 30 years in the ring of honor, the night of the Detroit game. 
It was actually the Jerry curse that remains unbroken. Now, 29 years and counting since we've made it to an NFC championship game. So I woke up Sunday. I was feeling great. I don't get to go to church the way I do out of football season. So in football season, I don't go to church. I do my own devotional at home, said my own prayers. Went outside for a long run. Beautiful day here in L.A. Not a cloud or a worry in the sky. We were seven and a half point favorites at home where we had won 16 straight games against the youngest team in the league, a seven seed, which had never won a playoff game. That team from Green Bay with a first year starter at quarterback. As I kept saying the previous week on Undisputed, this is not Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Aaron bleeping Rodgers, who has always owned us. This was Jordan Love. Come on, man. We got this. I was so confident. I even said on Friday's Undisputed, I'm going to shatter this myth and mold of one game at a time. I don't even want to hear that. I'm going to obliterate that, that cliched concept. We need two in a row because... We have now been gifted by the NFL gods two home games in a row to get to a potential NFC championship game, probably at San Francisco, though I was hoping that the Rams would upset the Lions and then go to San Francisco and knock them off so that then the Rams would have to come to Dallas for the NFC championship game, which we would then win our 19th straight game at home to get to the Super Bowl. That was my grand plan. That was my pipe dream. That was ultimately my nightmare. Two in a row, I said, on Friday and Undisputed. Not just one, we need two. Didn't matter who the second game was. It could be Detroit. It could be Tampa Bay. It could be anybody. I didn't care. We can beat any of them. We can beat all of them. They can all come and form an all-star team, and we'll beat them at home because we are invincible at home. We cannot lose 16 straight times, averaging nearly 40 points a game. We got this. NFL gods had spoken, let there be Dallas. We had backed into the two seed. Thanks to the Eagles turning right on schedule into the Beagles, as I predicted from the start of the year that they would because they are so torchable on defense. That's a bad defense. Wound up 30th in the league in points allowed. We got this. Right on schedule, they collapsed. Did Philadelphia from 10-1 and all the way to 11-7? and Whew. From the Super Bowl went Nick Sirianni to losing a playoff game in Tampa. And as he left the field, he took a popcorn shower from Eagles fans gathered in Tampa. NFL stands for not for long. We got gifted a win on Jimmy Knight at Jerry World against Detroit. 
They deserve to win the game. They did win the game. They converted the two-point play that should have won the game. And the referee, Brad Allen, blew it and handed the game right back to the Dallas Cowboys. Meant to be, said the NFL gods. You know, I just should have seen it coming. But I'm lifelong diehard. I've told you I became a Cowboy fan when I was 10 years of age. Saw my first game at the old Cotton Bowl. Saw the stars on the helmets, the stars on the shoulder pads in those days. Stars in my eyes. I'm blinded. I can't help myself. I should have seen it coming. We got run off the field at Buffalo. Literally run off the field. We then went to Miami and lost a game on a last-minute field goal drive to a team that was about to lose its last three games. The Dolphins were way overrated. We should have won that game, and we did not. Could not stop them when it mattered most. Couldn't stop Tua. I think I can throw harder than Tua does. Detroit effectively beat us. And then we went to Washington and we did what we had to do. And I was impressed, even though those commanders finished 4-13. and I was delusionally impressed. So effectively, actually, we lost three of our last four games. Which means we did not do what Tom Landry always preach to me and to Cowboy Nation that you have to do if you're going to go win a Super Bowl. You have to streak, that was Tom's word, you have to streak into the playoffs. We were unstreaking into the playoffs. But come on, it's a bunch of kids from Green Bay. Barely snuck in the back door of the playoffs at nine and eight, come on. We got the number one offense in the world. We got the number one pressure defense in all the NFL. We got the number one place kicker in all the land. We got this. And Green Bay won the toss and said, give us the damn ball. I thought, man, that's ballsy. Okay, good luck. First play of the game, we stopped Aaron Jones cold. I know Aaron Jones. He's a great young man. Cowboy killer. Grew up in El Paso wanting to be a Cowboy player. Was a fan. We stopped him cold for no gain on the first play of the game. Second play of the game. Would you believe we actually sacked Jordan Love? He lost two yards on the play because we blitzed Donovan Wilson from the safety position, and Donovan got there along with Golston, and we ransacked him. We threw him down for a two-yard loss, and I thought, here we go. Or, here we go! That's what I thought. And I look up, and it says at the bottom of my screen, flag. Flag? For what? Wait, no. No, that's impossible. 
Wait, there's a flag on Duran Bland? Wait, wait, on Duran Bland? Well, he's no, he's our revelation at cornerback, set the all-time pick six record this year, first team all pro. He's he's called for illegal contact. That's impossible. Not Duran Bland. No, that was it. First down Green Bay. Okay, okay. Now here we go. And we threw Aaron Jones for a three-yard loss. Would you believe that? And it's second and 13, and I'm seeing visions of third and 13, and I'm seeing punt, and I'm seeing seven to nothing Dallas dancing in the back of my psyche. Second and 13, Jordan Love drops back and throws an absolute rocket right down the middle of our defense to a, wait a second, a wide open Romeo Dobbs? Wide open. The same Romeo who didn't catch a pass in their regular season finale at home that they had to win over their arch rival Chicago Bears. He actually played 11 snaps in that game, took a shot to the chest, didn't play anymore. Romeo Dobbs? Where's he been? 22 yards to Romeo Dobbs? Okay. So we scratch and we claw, and finally, We get Green Bay to third and five at the six-yard line, and I think we got this. Just hold them to the field goal, and we'll go down and score, and it'll be seven to three, and we'll never look back. Would you believe Demarcus Lawrence jumped offside, jumped right into the neutral zone? Infraction. No, no, couldn't be D-Law. He's our one veteran leader on defense. He's our spokesman on defense. He's the one guy you can trust on defense. No, that that can't. No, that that can be. And on the next play, Aaron Jones said, "Thank you very much." Touchdown, Green Bay, seven to nothing, Green Bay. I'm thinking, oh yeah, we we also did lead the league. Did our Dallas Cowboys in one other category? Penalties committed. Deron Bland, really? Demarcus Lawrence, really? Not ready to play? No surprise. Mike McCarthy is still our head coach. Mike McCarthy, who I've said many times, could not motivate his way out of a wet paper bag. It's okay. We got this. Let's just go right down and score and make it seven all. Then we'll see what they're made of, these kids from Green Bay. And right away, we get it to third and eight at the Green Bay 49. And Dak leads CD just a little too much, and CD can't quite corral it, can't quite snag it. And then something happened. I never in my wildest nightmares could have imagined would happen in our first playoff game. The same dynamic duo who dominated the league over the last 12 games, Dak to CD, Dak to CD, Dak to CD. The same duo who were the most productive twosome in the league, Dak to CD. CD became the best receiver in football over the last six or seven games. Would you believe I'm watching them leave the field 
after the failed third and eight, and they're having words with each other, it's clear these are not nice words. It's clear something is going on between the two of them. Dak is clearly criticizing CD, and clearly CD does not like it. And then I look up, and CD's on the bench, either pouting or about to go over the edge into all out anger. And Mike McCarthy has to leave his position as the play caller. Obviously, they're on defense at this point, but he has to walk all the way back to the bench. I don't think I've ever seen him do this before to sort of talk CD off the ledge, try to get him back. What? That's impossible. Not the dynamic duo. Not now. This cannot be happening. Of all the things, you could give me a list of a thousand things that potentially could happen in that football game, in that stadium, on that day, and that would have been number 1,000 on my list. Dak and CD are going to get into it to the point that CD looks like he doesn't want to play anymore. What? This is impossibly bad. Michael Irvin said on Monday's Undisputed that CD was in the wrong. That in his days, obviously catching passes from Troy Aikman, 8 to 88, that if Troy ever got mad and Troy could be hot-blooded, he could be a little quick-tempered, especially in the heat of battle, in a good way. I mean, for all the right reasons, but but Michael said, I never once went back at him. What, whatever criticism he had, I just said, yep, yep, I got you. I got you. What can I do better next time? Because Michael's point was, I'm playing a dependent position. It's, it's all about him throwing it to me. I, I can't choose to throw it to him. So Michael's point was, that's CD's fault because he walked away from Dak. He wouldn't really acknowledge him as they left the field and Dak had words for him. He just turned away from him. And Michael said, no, you turn to him and you listen. You hear him completely out and you say, I got you. I'll do it better next time. Obviously, CD had broken off the route a little bit too much. He hadn't run it flat enough. Whatever that was, I thought it was just a poorly thrown ball, but that's just me. I blame Dak, but that's just me. Two wrongs don't make it right. And for the rest of that first half, in the first playoff game, with the two seed at home, it looked like Dak and CD had never played together before. And it looked like to me that CD didn't really want to play with Dak for the rest of the first half. What? And then it started, that horror movie starring playoff Dak. He lives, he breathes. He chokes me to death as he chokes to death. Deer in headlights, jumpy, shaky, 
starting to unravel right before your very eyes. He led Brandon Cooks a little too much on a slant. Zaire Alexander of the Packers pretty much ran the route, snatched it away. First interception. Then he tried to force one to CD. He looked right through Darnell Savage, deer in headlights. Couldn't see Darnell Savage, who said, thank you, Dak, and took it right to the house. And I look up, and there's still two minutes left in the first half. And it's 27 to nothing. Think about that. It's 27 to nothing with two minutes left in the first half. I get chills just thinking about it. I, I literally went into shock. Shell shock. Surreal shock. I had an out-of-body experience. I'm starting to have it right now. Again. I literally felt like I was watching myself, watching a game that could not be happening. Is it before your time to remember the old series, The Twilight Zone? I love The Twilight Zones by the mastermind Rod Serling. I felt like I was lost in a Twilight Zone episode. Macabre, surreal, inexplicable. I went numb. I couldn't feel my fingers or my toes. I kept saying, okay, Okay, okay. We can still do it. We can still climb out of this. I watched our man here at Fox, now Jimmy Johnson, get so angry at halftime on Fox that he delivered the speech that needed to be delivered in that locker room during that halftime. This is what Jimmy would have said. That gave me chills. I know those words. I know those speeches. I covered those teams. That was real, raw Jimmy, who no longer coaches my team, unfortunately. And I look up with 11 minutes left in the game. Think about this. 11 minutes are left. And... I watch Jordan Love pull off another trick shot pass to Romeo for a little three-yard TD, a throw that Aaron Rodgers on his greatest day couldn't have made any more slickly. I look up with 11 minutes left and it's 48 to 16. 48 to 16? We got this? Think about this. The Dallas Cowboys have now played 66 playoff games in their history. The most they had ever allowed in any one of those playoff games was 38 points. And Green Bay had 48 with 11 minutes left in the game.
since 10 years old, I was a Cowboy fan. Since 1961, I was a Cowboy fan. And I had never, ever experienced anything remotely like that. It was my lowest moment as a Cowboy fan times a thousand. I had to live with Stephen A. Smith all those years on ESPN, calling my Cowboys an accident waiting to happen. I had to live for almost seven years with Shannon Sharp here on FS1 on Undisputed saying, Cowboys will always do Cowboy things. This wasn't any of that. None of that. What they are talking about is Dak, two playoffs back against San Francisco at home, failing to get down on a quarterback draw near the end of the game, failing to get down soon enough to stop the clock to get the ball spotted for one last throw from 25 yards out, down 25 to 20. You could call that an accident waiting to happen. You could call that a cowboy thing. This wasn't Dak a year ago at San Francisco in a divisional round playoff game, throwing two awful second quarter interceptions, just two head scratchers, two what are you thinking interceptions, but the Cowboys only losing 19 to 12. This wasn't any of that. I felt like I was watching the 1989 Cowboys that I did cover after they traded Herschel Walker, Jimmy and Jerry's first year in Dallas together. That was an expansion team. It just wasn't competitive, even though it stole a game at Washington against the defending Super Bowl champs. That was the upset of the year times a thousand. It was Steve Walsh at quarterback, not Troy. Nearly every game I covered that year that that team played was a mismatch. They just weren't competitive. This game Sunday at Jerry World as a seven and a half point favorite, this was a mismatch. We were not in Green Bay's league. Jordan Love looked way better than Dak because I fear that he is. Matt LaFleur coached way better than Mike McCarthy because I think he's just a way better coach than Mike McCarthy. In three hours, or really it was just in about three minutes because the game was over in about three minutes. We went from NFC Championship game, here we come, to oblivion, to complete and utter hopelessness. I told you right here on this show, before the year started, I told you this for, what, three years? I don't trust Dak Prescott, never have, never will. Maybe in the first year I did, when he and Zeke took over the league. But I don't trust him. But hark back to 2018 after a 
Monday night home loss. I threw his jersey in the trash. I retrieved it later that year because they won the division, but I just don't trust him. He is what he's not. He's a fourth-round pick. I'm sorry. When it really matters, he's going to turn into, quote-unquote, playoff Dak, and that's a bad thing. I told you before the year started, I just don't trust Mike McCarthy. Loved him calling plays for Dak this year. That's his forte. But he's not a commanding officer. He's not a real-life head coach. Aaron Rodgers carried him as a road wildcard team to that one Super Bowl now 14 years ago. I don't trust him. After I saw Hard Knocks a couple of years back, you, you could just see he is as pathetic a motivational speaker as a head coach I have ever seen. I've been doing this for a long time. If I were that team, I would just tune him out. As soon as he spoke to, to our group as a team, I would tune him out. My mind would wander. So I told you before the year started, this team will go as far as Micah Parsons and that defense can carry this team. And it carried us right out the back door to the dumpster, which caught fire. I kept saying all year, our unofficial head coach is Dan Quinn. He's the motivator. He's the one they all look up to. They feed off Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator. And now Dan Quinn's going to get a head coaching job? How? From whom? Why? They gave up 42 at San Francisco. They got literally run off the field at Buffalo. They gave up 48 in a playoff game. In my, oh, Micah, 11 from heaven? Forgive me. He turned into 11 from hell. I'm sorry, but Micah said back in training camp, this year's training camp, this defense could be better than Ray Lewis's defense, 2000 Ravens. One of the best ever. Maybe it was, I, I still go with the 85 Bears slightly over that defense. Also, Derek Brooks' defense. Keyshawn played for that team in 2002 in Tampa. But he said, Micah, we could be better than Ray Lewis's defense. Really? Okay. Micah said back in training camp, yeah, it would be great to be a Hall of Famer, but I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in going down as the greatest defensive player ever, said Micah Parsons, who was then a favorite, preseason favorite, to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. And guess what? Down the stretch, as usual, I had to file lots and lots of missing Parsons reports, missing Parsons reports, missing down the stretch. Micah Parsons, unfortunately, proved to be a better podcaster than a playmaker. I kept saying, it's too soon, Micah. Unless you want to retire next year and become a media member, that's fine. Would you believe Micah Parsons in that playoff loss to Green Bay as the two seed, would you believe he had the worst statistical pass rushing game of his career? He registered only one pressure. He did, to his credit, draw two early holding penalties. Give him credit for that. I don't give Dan Quinn credit for a few times not rushing Micah 
on passing downs, dropping him into coverage, but only one pressure the whole day. Only one tackle solo, only one tackle assisted, zero tackles for loss. Worst statistical day of Micah Parsons' career was Sunday. You want to talk about overheight? Lawrence Taylor? Seriously? I'm guilty. Sue me. You want to talk about overrated? The players did not vote Micah Parsons onto their all-pro team. They did not because he did not deserve to be. Micah Parsons is just not that dude. I'm sorry, I admit it. Sunday at Jerry World, the 2023 Dallas Cowboys simply got all-time exposed right before your very closed eyes. Rob Gronkowski nailed it on Fox moments after that Buffalo debacle. He said of the Cowboys, that's not a mentally tough football team. He was so right. Just a bunch of talented losers, heartless, gutless, leaderless playoff frauds. The 2023 Dallas Cowboys, America's tease, not team, tease. But the reality of it was just more than I could process in the moment. Honestly, I I still find myself gazing into nothingness during the day and thinking to myself, did that really happen? I guess, yes. This is Randy from San Jose who asks, or actually states, I should say, your trash can one, skip zero. Okay, Randy, you got me again. You're probably aware that over the years, I have thrown some jerseys into my trash can. I mentioned that I threw Dax in 2018 after that Monday night loss to Tennessee at Jerry World. I did retrieve it later that year because they did find themselves as Amari Cooper was acquired and they took off and won the division. They actually won a home playoff game that year over Russell Wilson's Seattle Seahawks, 24 to 22. But this season, after that thing in San Francisco, 42 to 10, I threw Dax number four in the trash and I left it there. Gone, done. And then that happened on Sunday. When the game ended, I just sat there. I was so blindsided. I was so dumbfounded. I was so knocked on my ass. I was so sucker punched that all I could think of was, I I, got to get this out of my life. And I told my wife, Ernestine, get your camera ready. We're going to do another trash can video because I'm going to throw out everything 
with Dallas on it that I own. I'm going to get rid of everything cowboy in my house. And I stacked it all up. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? I don't ever want to be humiliated like this again. I'm done, man. I, I, I need a new team. I need a more trustable cause to pour all my heart and soul in. And I marched into the kitchen. And I threw the whole pile of it down on the chair. And one by one, I fired it into that trash can. By the way, that was one take. They're always one take. You can ask Ernestine. And I went swish, 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 swish. I think there were eight or nine items. I don't know. I didn't miss a one of them. And it's a fairly small mouth to that little trash can. I didn't miss a throw because I threw with fury. I cut loose, literally. It was all-time cathartic for me. All my pain went into that trash can. It was either that for me or jump out the window. So I threw all my cowboy life into that trash can. And by the way, a very quick aside... I'm told that the internet sleuths out there always try to freeze frame my videos of my kitchen, our kitchen, to see exactly what's on the shelves. Just full disclosure, I'll give you a quick look into my vitamins and supplements. You could probably see bits and pieces in the video. I haven't really studied it, so I'm not for sure. Here's what I take every single day, some of them twice a day. I take 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C. I take vitamin B. I take vitamin D, which I think is just as important as vitamin C. I take vitamin E. I take DHEA. I take fish oil. I take calcium, CoQ10. I take osteobiflex twice a day for your joints. Mine are always sore. I take Digestive Advantage. I take Tribistan, a Bulgarian product that's a testosterone booster. And finally, every three months or so, I take creatine in a two-week cycle because creatine really works for me when I lift weights every couple of months. This is Luis from New York. Are you happy or angry that there's over 200 days until your Cowboys get to play again? Luis, I am extremely beyond angry. It has now completely occurred to me, dawned on me, like the hottest burning light that my emotions are all a prisoner of one Gerald Wayne Jones Jr. Jerry Jones, I know him well. I like him. 
he has done some good things for my Cowboys. He's got final say on drafts, and they've drafted a lot of good football players. Last 10, 12 years, you could argue they've been right there with Kansas City in drafting football players. I give you that, Jerry. But Jerry owns the rights to my bragging rights, often on live TV, live national TV. And Jerry too often turns my bragging rights into gagging rights. So think about this. There's no school for owners. Jerry didn't have to graduate from any owner school. Jerry doesn't have to keep taking tests like driver's tests to make sure he can still operate the vehicle. There's no testing to requalify. I can't vote Jerry out of office. And we all know that Jerry is never going to fire himself as the GM of the Dallas Cowboys. I know for a fact, because I was there in those early years, in the summers, at training camp. Jerry would schedule joint practices with the Raiders so that he and the great Al Davis also knew him very well, so that they could go to dinner and that Al could teach Jerry how to be an owner and an operator of a football team. Al Davis was a coach. Jerry's never been a coach, but Al taught Jerry that you have to coach the coach. You have to be in charge and in control. You have to run the operation and coach the coach. And somehow, Jerry decided, in part from Al, that coaches are just interchangeable parts. They don't really matter. That's why he kept Jimmy out of the ring of honor for so long. They fell apart. Jimmy was hard on Jerry occasionally. But in the end, Jerry thinks it's all Jerry that he coached even that coach, Jimmy Johnson, one of the greatest coaches of all times. And when he fired Jimmy that fateful night at the owner's meeting after back-to-back Super Bowl championships, what did he tell those two reporters from the Dallas Morning News? He told them that 500 coaches could have coached us to the Super Bowl. That's what Jerry thinks of any coach. Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll. They're all dime a dozen to Jerry. 500. And then the other day he said, when asked, is he getting a little antsy because if he doesn't go forward with Mike McCarthy, that these candidates one by one will get jobs. They'll be off the market. No Belichick, no Harbaugh. still think he's staying at Michigan. I could be wrong. Pete Carroll, Vrabel, on and on. It's a, it's a pretty robust market right now. But what if they're all gone when Jerry finally decides, I think I'm going to move in a new direction? Jerry just scoffed at it and said, there are 10,000 coaches out there who are available. 10,000, said Jerry. Dime a dozen. He also told his team, once again, his personal window is closing because he's not sure 
exactly how much longer he'll live. I'd like to see Jerry live until he's 105. I hate to see him talk so morbidly about his mortality, but he does, and I guess it is realistic. He says, I'm not sure how many more years I have, which means I don't think Jerry's in any mood to start over. They had it. They had it all. They had the two seed. They had two home playoff games. Who knows? Maybe three. They had the number one offense. They had the number one pressure defense. They had the best kicker. They had it all. So I'm taping this on Wednesday, and I hope to eat these words because I hope by the time you hear this that Jerry will have fired Mike McCarthy. But I'm beginning to doubt it. The clock continues to tick. Time goes by. Nothing happens. It's starting to smell like he's going to go forward with Mike and Dak because we had it. He's going to convince himself, I fear, they just had a bad day. A bad day? Like the worst day in the history of the National Football League, given what they were? But I fear he'll just say, I'm too old to do this again. I'm fine. I, I'll get another dime a dozen coach and do what? Start over? Dan Quinn takes another job. So what? I can't imagine him getting another job, but so what? Even I'm down on Dan Quinn. Coaches dime a dozen to Jerry. So I fear he'll just convince himself, eh, maybe next year we won't have a bad day. Maybe we should just run it back with Dak and Mac. Even though no team in the history of the National Football League has had three straight 12 and 5 seasons and not made it to the NFC Championship game. So I remind you for the first 30 Super Bowl seasons, In, in 16 of those seasons, my Dallas Cowboys played in the NFC Championship game. Think about that. 16 out of the first 30 Super Bowl seasons played. More than half the time, we were one step away from the Super Bowl. And now we're going on 30 years of having not played even in the NFC Championship game. It's mind-boggling. It's, it's the, these are the Dallas freaking Cowboys. But is Jerry going to take any blame as the owner and operator? No. Is he going to demote himself? No. Fire himself? Heaven forbid. No. So if Jerry's listening, I know he has... Great respect for Winston Churchill, one of the greatest leaders in the history of this planet Earth. And it was Churchill who said, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. It gets us back to the definition of insanity. And this team has driven me completely insane. 
you're just going to do it again and again and again with those same two guys as your most important cogs in your system with Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, you're doomed to repeat it again and again and again. Any other team would fire its general manager after almost 30 years of no NFC championship games, but Jerry's not going to fire Jerry. So in the end, I I just can't help it. I'm trapped. I'm doomed. I'm a prisoner of Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones owns me. And I don't know what to do about it except find me another team. This is Connor from Orange County, California. Who was the first person to reach out to you to gloat or console you after you knew it was over? Well, I knew it was over. The truth was in about three minutes. But ah, the first gloat text I got predictably was from my man, Keyshawn Johnson. I did not, could not answer it until maybe a half hour after the game, and I fired back at it. Pay the man, pay Dak, with big exclamation points. It was sarcastic because all he says to me on Undisputed is, you got to pay the man. Come on. How are you going to do better? And I I keep saying, Keyshawn, you, you don't understand. I know what it's like to watch Don Meredith throw to bullet Bob Hayes. I know what it was like to watch Roger Staubach throw to Drew Pearson. I know what all those, what was it, eight Super Bowls felt like. I know what it feels like to win five Super Bowls. I definitely know what it felt like to watch Troy Aikman throw it to Michael Irvin. And now you want me to be happy? with playoff mediocrity with Dak Prescott at two and five in the postseason, playoff Dak, choke your guts out Dak. I'm sorry. I I just can't stomach it. I, I, I can't watch it anymore. And Keyshawn texted back Sunday night, man, you could be right about Dak because he, he saw what he didn't see that day. He saw, what's missing in Dak, right on schedule. But nobody sent me a consoling text. Nobody. I think they're afraid to. I mean, what, what can you say to somebody after that? Like in the sports context, as opposed to the real-life context, but in the sports context, how, what, what do you say to somebody who suffered a tragic loss like that? Sports tragic. But I will tell you, the last three days, I've gotten several what I'll call wellness checks from close friends of mine, as in, are you okay? And I'm not sure. This is Hank from Texas. What does the most optimistic Cowboys fan say now? What can we hope for in the future? It's a great question. I appreciate it. Try to answer it. 
I mean, CeeDee Lamb emerged as a flat-out baller. He had a great year. End of the year, he was the best receiver in football. I believe he'll be the best next year. He did bounce back in the second half, got back on track with Dak, wound up with almost 100 yards receiving just in the second half. Michael Gallup, he lives, he breathes. We had a Michael Gallup sighting on Sunday. For what it was worth, he caught six balls for 110 yards. Bully for him. That's some positive, some silver lining. Jake Ferguson, also a baller, a mauler, a run after catcher. He caught 10 balls for 93 yards on Sunday, and he looks like a keeper. He's better than Dalton Schultz. I'm shocked. Pleasantly so. Tyler Smith made first team all pro. I think yet again, we have another Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame bound, an offensive lineman. He's a penalty maker. He false started on the one touchdown we scored late in the first half, got away with it. But hey, at least we got that going for us as Bill Murray said in Caddyshack. At least we got the Eagles or Beagles going for us because I think they're a little bigger mess than even we are. So maybe next year we could lead the league in points scored. And maybe if my dream could come true, we could next year miss the playoffs barely Barely missed the playoffs on the final day of the regular season. So we don't have to suffer another one of those. This is Calvin from Denver. What is the best case Super Bowl matchup and result now for us Cowboy fans? I got an answer for this one. So my preseason pick for the Super Bowl was Ravens over Cowboys. And I have been right about Baltimore from the start, and I think I will be to the finish. They have been the best team all year long. So our best case Super Bowl result would be this. You ready? It would be Green Bay 48, Baltimore 32. Green Bay 48, Baltimore 32, because that would drain at least some of the shame out of what just happened. And this is Al from Fort Worth, Texas. And we'll end it on this one. Was any part of that game on Sunday funny? I found myself laughing multiple times, says Al from Fort Worth. Al. No. I mean, I I get your gist. You laugh so you won't cry. What was happening was, was so utterly preposterous that it gave you the giggles. I, I get that. But I'm sorry, that's just not me. What happened to our Dallas Cowboys 
this past Sunday was as far from a laughing matter as anything I could have ever imagined. Anything ever, ever, ever. I mean, seriously. Did that really happen? That's it for episode 97. Thank you for listening and or watching. Thanks to Jonathan Berger and his all-pro team for making this show go. Thanks to Tyler Korn for producing. Please remember Undisputed every weekday, 9.30 to noon Eastern, the Skip Bayless Show, every week.